Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. It is such an honour to bring the Word today and we've been in a focus at the moment of make room. And the focus has all been about making room in our lives for the Spirit of God to dwell. And I've got to say, just before I get into the Word today, I don't take moments like these lightly. It is an absolute privilege to be able to unpack and share the Scriptures, what we would call the Word of God, that this idea that we have available to us often on the apps on our devices. We download free things like Version Bible and things like that where we can engage with these things called the Scriptures and interact with this living book, I'm actually convinced that the Bible is the only living book in creation. Because when you engage with it, not just as something to get through or something to to do because you need to, when you engage with it to get, the Holy Spirit illuminates things to you. He brings to life more than the words on the pages. He brings to life what He's speaking into our hearts. And so it's, it's definitely... An absolute privilege and honour to take moments like this to unpack the Word of God together. And what I wanted to unpack today as we continue to focus in on what it means to make room for God to work in and through our lives is a portion of Scripture that shows me an example of what it's like to make room for the things of God even above the inconvenience and the pressures and the pains of life around us, that the story that we're going to unpack today is a living, breathing story. It's, it's, it's something that even though it happened thousands of years ago, it's something that's alive today because it was a real human being that had an interaction with the unseen realm, with the grace of God working in and through her life and set her apart like nothing else There's a portion in 2 Kings, chapter 4, verse 8, that begins with this. One day Elisha went to Shunem. Elisha is a great prophet. He is is an inspirational figure in Scriptures. He's, he's, He's known as a power prophet. See, there had been prophets on the scene who had often jumped up from time to time to share people the, the words of God, to give direction and guidance to whole nations and the interesting thing about Elisha is that he did that and more. He, he, he seemed to carry with him this, this deep-seated sense that God wanted to invade the everyday lives of people. And God would show up in miraculous ways around his life. In the beginning of 2 Kings 4.8, one day Elisha went to Shunem. Shunem means a double resting place, a place of double rest, rest fulfilled. And it says this, A prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. I just want to have the freedom to unpack this portion of Scripture if we can. to to not rush through it, to to draw out what God would want to say to us. It's interesting that this portion of Scripture begins about the great man of God, but very quickly the focus becomes a normal everyday person, somebody who's, frankly, we don't even get her name. She's known as a prominent woman, which, which meant that she was successful. 
meant that she was wealthy, meant that she was set up. It meant that she had everything that she needed or could ask for. We don't seem to get her name. If, if, if anybody ever refers to this story, they don't say the prominent woman, they say the, the Shunammite woman. And she's known for what she gets involved with in faith here. But it all begins because the prophet's passing through. You know, just imagine that. Imagine having a home like on the freeway and Elisha's passing through and McDonald's is shut. And he's hungry and he wants to fill it a fish, which is the best burger at McDonald's. Come on. Oh, there's one. Oh, there's two. Oh, there's three. Oh, there's four. There's... Oh, come on, let's just keep going. Oh, <laughs> some people. And uh, he stops off. No fillet of fish, but this prominent woman opens up the cupboard, turns on the ovens, pulls out the pizza pockets and makes him what he needs to eat. And she does it because she notices there's something different about him. He's a holy man of God. And I just, before moving on, I just have to draw attention to this. What does that mean? And you know, in our culture, we maybe hear that word holy or sometimes we, we think holier than thou or we think, you know, sometimes Christians uh, portray themselves as perfect people. And that's not necessarily what the Scripture is talking about or this portion, this idea, a holy man of God. It, it does mean sacred and it does mean somebody made a saint, but ultimately what it means to be holy means to be set apart. The, the core idea of holy actually means, if I was to translate it into our daily language, means to be different. That's what holy actually means. To be different, but better. Different. And so she's got this prophet Elisha who's passing through, who she's making food for. And she's doing it because she recognises he's different. Come on, there, there, there's, there's, for some of us, it is good when people say there's something different about you. It is a good thing when somebody says there's something different about you. And, and it's a good thing, especially when they're not drawing for something that you just did. They're just drawing about the way that you carry yourself, the way that you live. You know what that means? You're a holy person. There's something different about Elisha. And because of that, she makes available what she has to resource him. Verse 9, then she said to her husband, I know the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. In verse 10, so you can tell who's wearing the pants in this family. Let's make a small walled in upper room and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp there for him. Let's go further than the pizza pockets. Let's make room. Let's not have it so he just passes by and goes. Let's make room and make it home for him along the way. Let's inconvenience ourselves so that we can host him well. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. And one day he came there and stopped at the upstairs room to lie down. He ordered his attendant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman, Sorry, I always felt like I'm swearing when I say that, but I'm not. Called the Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. Then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you've gone to all this trouble for me. 
What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I'm living among my own people. So he asked, then what should be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Notice she's a prominent woman, but she doesn't have everything. She has a lot, but not everything. Verse 15, call her, Elisha said. So Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway, the doorway of the room that she'd built for him, the door room of the doorway of the space that she'd made for the prophet. And she's standing there, the prominent woman. Some translations say the great woman. She doesn't even know what she needs. She could ask, what, what do you need? I don't need anything. And the prophet says, verse 16, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your servant. She didn't want to get her hopes up. In verse 17, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. In making room for the prophet, she made room for a miracle. I want to talk to you today about making room for more. Make room for more. There is so much more available. My first thought, drawing on the inspiration of a real life encounter with God working in and through somebody's life is this. Make room for more. And in making room for more, begin to design and build it. Begin to design and build it. It wasn't enough for her to simply host him with the food. She renovated her entire house so that the prophet could have a place to stay. She made room in the most inconvenient way possible. She took what they had as a dwelling place and decided to add to it. And this isn't a project that's happened or is done in one day. It's not something they can sit there at breakfast in the morning and say, hey, I think we'll add another room, a sunroom for the prophet to live. It's something that took design and effort to build. I had the honour uh, in my latter teen years uh, as I'm living at home and, and, and we're, we're finishing up high school. My, my dad decided after years and years of dreaming of it that he was going to renovate our family home. And our family home was this little tiny rectangle on top of a hill. It was a small space and we loved it. We were on a, an acre block, but we, we were a small house. And I remember growing up seeing Dad often at different times in my childhood, walking around the outside of the house with a stick. He didn't do this one time or two times, three times. I remember it multiple times. And I'd ask him, what are you doing, Dad? And he'd be walking around with his long legs. He had very long legs. And he would be stamping out and, and putting stakes here and stakes there. And what, what are you doing, Dad? It's, it's, it's like 10 feet away from the walls. And he could see something he wanted to build. He, he could see a renovated home. He could see a place that was enlarged. He, he designed it in his head before anything happened. It was amazing to see that and grow up with that because what happened is he took that design and he turned it into reality. He took his good intentions and he built something out of it. 
And I got to see my dad in my latter years of living at home, hands on building the house of his dreams. He took a design and he built it. Make room for more. The Shunanite woman made room for more. I, I don't know if you get lost sometimes on different YouTube videos. And I often get lost on paths of videos that talk about things like daily routines or morning routines. Have you ever seen anything like that? So like you get sucked down one path of a morning routine and then all of a sudden all your YouTube videos are just, do this to optimise your life and do this and do this and do this and do this. And you could, you could lose your entire life learning out how to make your life better. And when you watch a few, you see that they all boil down to a few key things. Get up early, drink some water, get some sunlight, exercise, plan your day, have fun. That's it. But in making room for more, you know, everything, something that we all have to work with is that we get to design our life and build who we are. We actually get to design our life and build who we are. I was even listening to something the other day that, that shocked me. And the speaker was saying along the lines of this, when, we do, when we're born, we often look like our parents. And when we pass, we look like our decisions. I'm going to say that again. Not my words, somebody else. But I stopped what I was doing. When we're born, we often look like our parents. When we pass, we look like our decisions. Do you know, in making room for more, every single one of us has the ability to design and build. You and I get to create our future. Do you know that God invites us into that but doesn't make it happen? Do you know that the Shunammite woman had the opportunity to host the prophet, but it wasn't his idea to build room for him. It came from her own heart. She saw a future when instead of having the prophet pass by, there was room made for him to live. She saw a future where instead of feeding him a meal, they got to live life together. She saw a future where instead of waving as the prophet passes by, the prophet is part of her world. And she made it happen. She made it happen because she was willing to live life by design and then build out of that. How powerful it is to make room for more. And every single one of us have that capacity. And if the story stopped there, frankly, that's an amazing story. Because she made room for more. She made room for her miracle. But this is not where the story stops. There is more. Goes on to say in verse 18, I can't even imagine this. I, when I read the Scriptures, I try to imagine myself in the shoes of the people involved. How would I respond? How would I act? It says this in verse 18. The child grew and one day went out to his father and the harvesters. And suddenly he complained to his father, my head, my head. His father told his servant, carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon and then died. And then died. She made room for the miracle and the miracle died. Could you imagine that? 
Could you imagine going to all that effort to make room for the prophet? To see this fulfilment, this promise fulfilled, living, breathing in your home, eating food from your table, celebrating the fact that because she made room for God to work in her life, she got this most unexpected miracle. The one thing that the prominent woman didn't have, she got. Only to see her son die in her arms for no apparent reason. There's nothing here that can be blamed. There's no invading army. There's no problem. There's there's nothing that can be seen in the here and now. He's simply complaining of a headache. And from that, he dies in her. I can't even imagine that. I literally cannot imagine that. I cannot imagine that. But yet that was her reality. But what does she do with it? What is this woman who is recorded in our Scriptures, somebody who lived by faith, somebody who made room, who who designed and built a life for God to work in and through her, what did she do? It says in verse 21, She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut him in and left. Verse 22, She summoned her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and come back again. Verse 23, but he said, why go to him today? It's not a new moon or a Sabbath. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, this is out of the ordinary. What what are you doing? What he's saying to her is why bother? What he's saying to her is let's live in our grief. But she has a different point of view. She's made room for the prophet once before. Of all the places she could have put a son, she could have laid him in her own bed. She could have prepared his own room. No, she goes up and puts him in the room that she made for the prophet. Because there's something in her heart that says, because I've made room for God once, why not again? I can't imagine the type of faith that would have taken to pick up the son not breathing to lay him lovingly on the bed, to close the door and to immediately confidently walk down and say, husband, remember I'm the boss here. Well, she is. Get the servants to get me a donkey, a fast one. Doesn't smell. And I'm going to go to Elisha because this cannot be. I've made room already. Let's make room for more. He's shocked. Why would you go to the man of God? Can't even imagine the faith that she's got, but she's got it regardless. And it says, verse 24, she replied, it's all right. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, go fast, don't slow the pace for me unless I tell you. The rest of the account goes on. She travels to a place called Mount Carmel where Elisha and his servant is, she finds them there. And Elisha almost, if you read the account, almost tries to fob her off a little bit. So she comes and she's initially greeted by the servant and the servant says, is everything all right? She says, it's fine. It's good, all good. And as soon as she gets past the servant, she gets to the prophet. She wasn't willing to settle. She wasn't willing to take no for an answer. The, The servant tried to sort of steer her away from the prophet. I'm guessing the prophet must have been doing important work, but she just wasn't willing to take no as an answer. And she goes up to Mount Carmel. She climbs the mountain. She's travelled over 32 kilometres on a donkey. 
rocking. Also that she could get to Elisha and it says that she knelt down, grabbed him by the feet because he couldn't run away then. I've made room for you. Come. Come back and see my son. And Elisha makes this, this, I don't know what it is because we don't really know what's going on in his heart, makes this statement. He says, well, I'll send my servant ahead. And he'll take my staff and he'll go lay the staff on the boy's face and the boy will be fine. And she says, yeah, you can do that. But you know what? I'm gluing myself to you. I'm not settling for anything but the breakthrough. I don't think he intentionally tried to fob her off. But she was willing to cut through it all anyway and took hold of her faith like nothing else. We have to make room for more. And in, make room, in making room for more, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Because when we settle for less, we allow less to be our reality. And she grabbed hold of more. You know, talking about homes and buildings. I was so inspired that my dad built his dream home. He, he was an owner-builder, did it with a mate. It's amazing seeing him up, changing the roof and adding rooms. But it's in my family line a bit. My pop, my mum's dad, Poppy, I love Poppy. He had this, 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 this gut that was out here like this and it was rock hard. There was nothing jelly about it. He, he lived off chocolate and Diet Coke. He was, he was just rocking. Whenever my family went to visit him at home, he hid the chocolate. We'd always say, where's the chocolate pop? And he hid it every time. He knew ahead of time. And the cool thing about visiting Pop at their home in a place called Taree is he built that house by his own two hands. But he did it in a unique way. He, he would build a room at a time as his kids grew up, as they had the finances to do it. He refused to go into debt. He, he would build the living room and then he built a bedroom and had the toilet out the back and with redbacks. And then he built another room and, a, and another room and another room. And it, it was a long term commitment but he built it as they went he didn't settle could you imagine just the effort that it takes to do that to build it over a long period of time and to not want to go through that effort again and again and again but yet he could see something that wasn't done but yet he wasn't willing to stop until it was finished and I wonder if God's inviting every one of us in making room for more to choose to be people who don't settle it just enough. To say thus far and no further. To say we've gotten here, why not, why not enjoy this? No, no, what if there's more? What if there's more? The Shunammite woman finds the prophet and she glues herself to him and they go back home. She's unwilling to leave him alone. She grabbed him by the feet. It says, I'm not leaving you. Yeah, go ahead and send your servant to do whatever. I'm after you. Now go home. And the servant goes ahead and he goes up to the room and he does do what the prophet said. He lies, he, he lays his, his staff down on the boy's head and nothing happens. It's because the woman was holding out for more and the prophet eventually goes up there. He closes the door behind him and he prays and he ministers. To this kid, this promise that had passed, not once, but twice. 
It's interesting that Shunem, the meaning of that place means double rest. And Elisha's seen the boy brought back to life. Doesn't minister once, he has to minister twice. I wonder if we're challenged when we feel like we've got a no. I wonder if it isn't really a no. I wonder if it's a go again. I wonder if it's a perseverance to break through. When we make room for more, we make room for the unexpected when we refuse to settle. Here's the end of the account. I'll ask the team to come and join me for worship. In verse 35, it says this. Elisha got up, went into the house and paced back and forth. Then he went up and bent down over him, the boy again. And the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. What a strange thing. Seven in the Scriptures is the sign of fulfilment, perfection. There's holiness for you. He sneezes. Why? Because breath has come back into him. It says this, Elisha called Gehazi and says, Call the Shunammite woman. He called her and she came. Then Elisha said, Pick up your son. Pick up your promise. She came. She fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and left. When we make room for God to meet with us, we make room for His power to work in and through us. What is God inviting you to make room for Him in? I believe God comes where He's wanted. God comes where He's wanted. And many of us can choose to live a life where God is passing by. Where as He's passing by, we choose to have a meal with Him from time to time. As time allows. Because we're busy. And we've got stuff to do. And sometimes it's hard to prepare things or be prepared. But you know what? If you, if you make room for Him, you'll be shocked at what He does in and through you. If you make room to design and build a life where He has a home in you, you'll be shocked at the unexpected results. The favour in the workplace that shouldn't naturally be there that people can't explain. The, the grace and divine connections, building relationships that had no natural way of happening. The business people that are on the edge right now, feeling like they're going to tipple over, that through making room, through, through doing, instead of stressing, getting down on our knees and crying out and say, God, I'm stuffed. I've got nothing. And get up and do it again. Because we make room. When we make room for more. You know, I'm mindful that they built an upper room for the prophet. That's what it says. Last week, if you're with us, was what we call in the church the day of Pentecost. And we celebrated as the day where the very first church in Jerusalem was started after Jesus had ascended to heaven where the Holy Spirit descended and filled a room and people with His presence. So that they went, then went out about their lives, flowing with the power of God. They made room because they had met in an upper room, much like the prophet. They made room because 
in that reality, they dedicated to themselves 10 days of prayer. Where finally, on the 10th day, shoom, the Holy Spirit rushes in like a wind and fills them and then they go out onto the streets and they don't contain it and they share it with everybody who's around and they're accused of being drunk, intoxicated, lost. They don't have anything, but they're filled with faith that they're contagious. And from that group of 120 people, 3,000 others repent and receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And the very first church in existence is birthed. And it's birthed because they made room. In a moment, I wanna open up the altar. In a moment, I want us to pray. In a moment, I wanna invite anybody here who right now feels like they're coming to the edge of themselves. I wanna encourage you, God will allow you to make room for Him to work like never before. In a moment, we're gonna open this front section, which we call our altar. And I promise you, as you come out and meet with God and lay down your pressures, your pains, your fears, your anxieties, what He will do is He'll show you how to renovate your heart and make room for Him to work like never before. But before we move on, I do have to ask a question. See, we, we make room for God to work in us because we choose. We choose to get on His way. So the prophet was passing through. Jesus invites us to journey with Him and to journey with Him, it begins with this idea that comes out of the Bible called repentance. And repentance simply means to say, I'm sorry, God, for going my own way and losing track. And I wanna choose now to get on track with You. And it's amazing that as we choose to get on track with God, as we choose to follow His leading in our lives, it's almost like we become bigger than we ever were. We become more of who we're created to be. I actually believe personally, that's the only way to becoming who we were created to be. As we choose to make room, for Jesus to work in and through our lives. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.